eye health, it impacts all of us. Your eye is connected to all the systems in your body and therefore your overall health. And we're putting more and more strain on our vision with all the screens we spend so much time looking at. Today, we're joined by Dr. Ronnie Bannock. She's a neuro-ophthalmologist who specializes in treating headaches and migraines. She also uses a functional medicine approach in treating her patients. We'll be discussing the eye-brain connection, how to best protect your eye health, what leads to cataracts and macular degeneration as you age, and how you can combat those effects. All this and more on today's Be Healthistic. Welcome to Be Healthistic, the podcast that's more than just health and wellness information. It's here to help you explore your options across traditional and natural medicine so that you can make informed decisions for you and your family. This podcast illuminates the whole story about holistic health by providing access to the expertise of Dr. Steve and Drew Sinatra, who together have decades of integrative health experience. Be Healthistic is powered by our friends at Healthy Directions. Now, let's join our hosts. Hi, folks. If you like what you hear today and you want to listen to future conversations on all things integrative and holistic health, subscribe to our podcast at BeHealthisticPodcast.com. Also, check out and subscribe to the Healthy Directions YouTube channel, which features video versions of our episodes plus extra videos you won't want to miss. And finally, we have more with me, Dr. Drew Sinatra, my dad, Dr. Steve Sinatra, and other health experts at HealthyDirections.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Be Healthistic. Today in the show, we're welcoming Dr. Ronnie Bannock, a board-certified ophthalmologist, fellowship-trained neuro-ophthalmologist, and functional medicine expert. Dr. Bannock manages a wide spectrum of conditions affecting vision, as well as the complex connections between the eye and the brain. With her functional medicine approach, she applies principles of alternative medicine with more traditional medical approaches to develop personalized treatment and wellness plans for her patients. We're going to ask her all about eye health and vision preservation as we age, and we're also gonna discuss her new ebook on macular degeneration. Incidentally, my dad just had eye surgery himself, so I know he'll have some questions for you too. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Bannock. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you are, you've got lots of different credentials behind you. I'm curious if you could share with us and our listeners, number one, why you got into ophthalmology. And number two, why did you begin to incorporate and integrate functional medicine into that practice? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first of all, the eye, even though it's such a small organ, it's a very complex organ and it's intricately connected with everything else in the body. So, um, you know, eye health is just so important. And, you know, it really drew me in when I was in medical school, the complexity and the ability to do, for example, a cataract surgery and to restore someone's vision, be able to allow them to function again. You know, for example, if somebody has a cataract, they may not be able to read or drive. And just to restore that, that beautiful gift of sight was really what drew me in. But um, but I love all things about eyes and so not just cataracts. But um, uh, then, then I decided to actually uh, do a fellowship in neuro-ophthalmology because the eye is also very intimately connected with the brain. And the um, the pathways are just really in- incredible. And and it's almost like, uh, you know, going down, solving a mystery as you're trying to figure out what's going on with the patient uh, if they do have a neuro-ophthalmic problem. So it's intellectually stimulating. It's very rewarding as well. 
And the, the functional medicine piece, was there a, a part of your life or a story or, you know, a health issue that you had that sort of brought you to functional medicine? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, I never even knew what functional medicine was until about six or seven years ago. Uh, during my medical school training, it was never brought up, um, you know, integrative functional medicine, never discussed. And so what ended up happening was I myself uh, suffer from migraines and I was, you know, really in bad shape for a while. I was getting migraines every day and I tried pretty much every pharmaceutical agent on the market. Nothing was working. Uh, it was making me feel like I couldn't function. I was like a zombie. And I said, you know, there has to be a better way to help me deal, deal with my migraines. And I started to do research in other ways to treat migraines. And what I realized, what I discovered was that there are supplements that have been shown in clinical trials to help with migraines. Nutrition is such a key factor in management of migraines. And none of my migraine doctors had ever asked me about any of that. You know, like, what am I eating? What am I drinking? How much caffeine do I have? How much do I sleep? How's my stress? None of them had once asked me about all of those lifestyle factors that were contributing to my migraine. So once I started to address those factors, I started to feel better and get off of my medications. And it really introduced me to the world of functional medicine. So I began, you know, I was so convinced. I mean, just, uh, you know, this miraculous change in my life. Um, I started using some of these strategies for my patients, and I decided to actually get certified in functional medicine. So it's been a journey um, taking, you know, still working, seeing my patients and, and, and so forth, but uh, taking classes. And uh, I'm about to take the certification exam later this year. So I will be fully certified in functional medicine. And I love bringing that approach to my patients because, as I mentioned before, the eye is not isolated. It's very closely interconnected with the whole body. Um, for example, not just our nervous system, our digestive system, our cardiovascular system, our immune system. And to be able to bring everything together using a more holistic approach is really um, it's really necessary. And I think my patients really appreciate that, knowing that I'm not just treating their eyes, I'm treating their whole body when I, when I see them. So, Drew, I, I just want to jump in here. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by your story because uh, as a heart specialist, um, I treated a lot of heart patients with uh, magnesium, coenzyme Q10. And many of those patients had migraine as well. And I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed when my patients, when I was treating heart failure or hypertension or arrhythmia, when my migraine patients would come back and say, doctor, uh, you fixed my migraine. And I didn't know about it uh, because this was like 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And then I went to the literature. And then again, these papers that came out on, on CoQ10 and magnesium, blood levels tend to drop where patients uh, can develop migraine because of the of the dropping blood levels, and uh, so I was, I was wondering what your experience was. I mean, what what type of functional medicines did you use for your migraine? So magnesium was key, yep. and the formulation of magnesium is really important. So um, you know there are magnesium salts, and then there are the chelated forms, and right. I found that the key forms like glycinate or L3-anate tend to work best for migraine uh, simply because they cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, I also use coenzyme Q10. Riboflavin is actually another one. So vitamin B2, B2 in high right. doses, up to 400 right. milligrams a day, which is much right. more than your regular supplement would have. Uh, but it is, you know, it is available from certain manufacturers. It's really, it's been shown to really benefit. And then other things like melatonin, Feverfew yes. and Butterbur. So those are kind of my go-to supplements for migraine. But for me personally, it really had to do with diet as well. Um, I was basically surviving off of junk food most of my you know medical school years and and even to residency and you know working. I would I would I was living on this is crazy. I was living off of pizza 
ice cream and soda. And not once did any of my doctors ask me about what I was eating. And I was having mm. caffeine. I was having between eight to 12 caffeinated beverages a day. And not once did I think maybe my caffeine is contributing to my migraines. So it was really like an epiphany when I realized this. And when I tell my patients, sometimes you can see that light bulb go off in your, in their, you know, in their minds as well. Like, Oh my God, maybe, maybe if I change this one little thing in my lifestyle, my nutrition choices, um, it can make a big difference. And it does. It's really miraculous. No, very, very well said. And, you know, Joella Monad on the eye, mm. um, there was an, a, a review article that came out on Coenzyme Q10 in November, just a few months ago, uh, a wide review article. And it's amazing that um, in my family, I, I have uh, macular degeneration and glaucoma. Both my mother and my grandmother went blind from a combination of glaucoma and macular degeneration. And I was amazed to see in this article, that, and I didn't even know it. I just learned about this. And I've been using coenzyme Q10 for 40 years. I mean, I didn't know this. So I, when I did this, looked at this review article, because I was given a lecture for the A4M um, online, I came across where they're using coenzyme Q10 in glaucoma. Just amazing. I didn't even know about this. So even at my age and, and in my expertise on CoQ10, because I read everything on CoQ10, I must have missed this one paper. But again, you know, it it rescues, rescues I guess, the uh, retinal cells that are adjacent or in the ganglion of the, or the ganglions of the retinal nerve. So um, I'm just amazed at what coenzyme Q10 does. I mean, even in, in my career, because I've been using it for about 40 years now. So Yeah, I know it's really incredible, you know, the benefits of some of these um, uh, supplements and, and nutrients in our eyes. So the eye is a very metabolically active organ. So, it, you know, uh, per, you know, body weight, I guess, it's it's one of the most metabolically active organs in the in the body. And um, so constant supply of coenzyme Q10, antioxidants, other vitamins to support mitochondrial function and mm -hmm. to prevent oxidative stress are key. So I love that you brought up coenzyme Q10 because it is so important to keep our retinas healthy and also for our optic nerves as well to keep the optic nerve function functioning well. Yeah, really important. And, and while, while we're on supplements for the eye, because I've been, I mean, for years I've been using supplements. Um, I'm a cath cardiologist. I've did thousands and thousands of angiograms and, and you know, emergency pacemakers and all that stuff in my career and training. And um, uh, I just came down with cataracts, uh, but I, I've been using vitamin C for my lifetime. Um, what's the relationship between, does vitamin C get inside the, the lens area where it can help prevent cataract? Uh, I read yeah. a couple of papers on this years ago, but I was wondering if it, if it made a difference because, you know, I just had a cataract operation and yet my colleagues who are cath cardiologists seem to get them a lot earlier than I did. And I was wondering if the vitamin C made a difference. Yeah, so I'll first just explain what a cataract is. So inside our eye, we have a lens that helps us to focus. And when we're younger, the lens tends to be transparent. Imagine like you're looking through a clear window. But as we get older from oxidative stress, and again, that oxidative stress comes in again, um, it, the lens starts to opacify. And basically, it allows less light to get in, making our vision blurry. So, uh, so basically, it's like looking through a dirty window. So antioxidants like vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin A are really important to help fight against that oxidative stress. And there are actually numerous studies done in various populations around the world, so not just the United States, but also Sweden, some other European countries, Japan, where they showed that 
people who had diets rich in some of these antioxidants, uh, diet rich in certain fruits and vegetables, had a less incidence of cataract formation or, or need for cataract surgery. So, um, yeah, so really interesting. And, and these antioxidants do get into the, into the eye. They do get absorbed into the eye. So super important. Okay. So for, for someone like myself, who I, I, my father mentioned our family history, his mother, his grandmother, you know, had macular degeneration and went blind and he's got cataracts. I mean, what can I do? I'm 40 years old. I eat a very clean diet, lots of fruits and vegetables, like you just mentioned. You mentioned some of these supplements as well. Is there anything else that I can do for preventative things to sort of, you know, minimize the risk of me getting these conditions? Well, you're doing the foundation of what you need to do, which is eating a healthy diet. And what I usually tell my patients is, you know, it's not just carrots that we all need for our eye health. Um, that's true. We do need carrots, but we need the whole spectrum of antioxidants, uh, phytonutrients, um, and, and minerals as well. And so there are probably over 20 nutrients our eyes need to stay healthy. And the best way to get that is by eating um, lots of different plants. So I really advocate for, it doesn't necessarily have to be a plant-based diet, but a plant-rich diet. Mm -hmm. And what I usually tell my patients is, you know, cycle through your, your, your fruits and vegetables. Don't just eat the same thing every day and include lots of different colors in your diet. So, you know, what I tell my patients is most people eat three, three meals a day. So that's 21 meals a week. 21 meals a week, um, have 21 different colors in your diet. So have that rainbow of colors. So have your reds, your blues, your oranges, your greens, your purples, sometimes even your blacks, and you'll get all those nutrients your eyes need to stay healthy. Now, another question a lot of people ask me is, especially now because we're on our screens all the time, you know, what is the potential negative impact of all this screen time and blue light on our eyes? Uh, well, what I can tell you is, First of all, there is no evidence that blue light will permanently do any damage. So fortunately, we don't have to worry about losing vision permanently later on in life, mm -hmm. but definitely it can contribute to digital eye strain. So especially someone like yourself, who's, you know, who's younger or even children, you know, we are, we're on our screens. How can we protect against digital eye strain? And one of the best ways is actually uh, nutrients that many people probably haven't heard of, but there are three important eye health nutrients called lutein, zeaxanthin, and mesozeaxanthin. And I like to call them vitamins L, Z, and M, even though they're not technically vitamins, they're eye health nutrients. Um, and these are really potent carotenoids found in our retinas. And what they do is they basically help absorb some of that blue light as well as UV light, neutralize it, and protect our retinas. So if you're gonna do one thing, uh, eat the eat a balanced diet, but also perhaps even to get an extra kind of protection shield for your eyes, perhaps take a supplement with with that combination of lutein, zeaxanthin, and mesozeaxanthin. Really important. Dad, are you familiar with that third carotenoid that she mentioned? I, I had not heard of that before. Meso, M-E-S-O, zeaxanthin? Yes, meso, no. zeaxanthin. No. So the body converts lutein into meso, zeaxanthin because it's not so readily available oh, okay. from foods. Like it's it's available in certain types of of seafood, for example, some trout. I think shrimp and krill have mesozeaxanthin, but uh, it's very, very small amount. So the best thing to do is um, have lots of lutein in your diet, but also perhaps take a supplement. And um, there's actually one ingredient that has all three of these in it, in it. And this ingredient is found in many of the supplements on the market. The ingredient is called Ludamax 2020. And what I usually do is actually have, I'll just show you here. I have, yeah. um, I don't know if you can see this here. There oh, sure. Go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So if you, 
Yeah, if you look at look at the label on the back, and when you, when you're choosing an eye health supplement, look at the label. You'll see lots of ingredients, but look for Ludomax 2020 because again, that's the ingredient that has all three of those important macular carotenoids. And the reason why that meso is so important, the mesozeaxanthin, is because it's right in the center of our retina. It's where it's what gives us our sharpest vision. We need to protect that area the most, and that mesozeaxanthin is where um, you know is 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 located right there in the center. Now, how do you feel about astaxanthin? Have you, have I come across that? Absolutely. Uh, so, ast. I'm so glad you you mentioned that because astaxanthin, even though it's not found in the eye, it's not you know located in the retina. There are many studies that have shown that astaxanthin. Some people even call it like the king of antioxidants. It is so mm-hmm. potent, and it does get into the eye. Uh, there are some studies that have shown that. For example, people who've had cataract surgery, the astaxanthin actually helps to uh, it decrease inflammation postoperatively, and it also helps with blood flow to the eye, blood flow to the choroid, which is in the back of the eye. So lots of studies. It's really an exciting nutrient to consider when you're thinking about eye health. Oh, great. You know, it's amazing. I, I learned about astaxanthin about 25 years ago. I was given a lecture in Japan on metabolic cardiology, you know, using coenzyme Q10 and ribose magnesium. And um, I was at a, you know, a fair, so to speak, and there was a booth on astaxanthin. I had no idea what it was, but as soon as I learned about it, I brought it back to healthy directions because I, it's a, it's a terrific carotenoid. It, and, and you're right. It is a king of carotenoids. It's absolutely amazing. And it's not only good for the eye, but it's good for the brain, I mean, as well. And, uh, and the heart. I mean, the, 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 when, when I went to the literature on astaxanthin, 20 years ago, there was only a few hundred articles, maybe. But now there's been like 12,000 articles on and you know, over the last couple of decades. So it's really an upcoming uh, carotenoid. And, and I agree with you. It is, it is a king of carotenoids. And I'm so yeah. glad that we have it in some of our products. I'm, I'm really thrilled yeah. And interestingly, so, um, so I just learned about this this week. Astaxanthin also can be found in some creams, like topical creams. So for people, if they're concerned about getting wrinkles around their eyes, they can put a little astaxanthin serum on to help prevent those skin changes. Wonderful. Wonderful. I like that. Yeah. And if you use a coenzyme Q10 with a cyclodextrin complex, uh, the Japanese have done studies on that particular CoQ10. It softens the crow's feet in the eyes, especially on women where they've done biopsies. So that's kind of interesting. So an astaxanthin and a CoQ10 with, a, with, with that cyclodextrin complex is sort of a, a nice soothing remedy for the eye, mm-hmm. for, the, for the aging eye. I like that one. Yeah, really interesting. Well, well, Dr. Ronnie, why don't we talk about glaucoma a little bit? And can you tell our listeners you know, what exactly is glaucoma? How does it develop? And are there things to help mitigate it, um, treat it, and also prevent it from occurring? Yeah, it's a great question. So glaucoma is one of the leading causes of vision loss, along with macular degeneration and cataracts. Um, And what it is, is basically it's damage to the optic nerve in the back of the eye. And it's not something that happens overnight. Usually it happens, you know, years to decades. It takes for the damage to happen. And what happens is people lose their peripheral vision. So many times they don't even know that they have it because very gradually their peripheral vision is closing in. And until the late stages, they basically have just a small area of central vision. It's almost like looking through a telescope. And most often in glaucoma, the eye pressure is elevated and that's what's causing the damage to the optic nerve. And there are many different types of glaucoma. There's open angle glaucoma, closed angle glaucoma, but glaucoma really, I mean, it's, it's really believed that 
the major, the root cause of glaucoma is not just the eye pressure, but it's oxidative stress in the eye that leads to the eye pressure being elevated. So my approach is, again, to use all of those great antioxidants we've been talking about and also lifestyle, um, reducing stress. Meditation, it's really interesting. There are some recent studies that were published about the benefits of meditation for patients with glaucoma, helping to lower their eye pressure. And interestingly, uh, there are also um, many studies done with lifestyle, but also there are certain, you know, many people do yoga, uh, inverted postures can actually increase the risk of glaucoma right. as well. So definitely, you know, if you're doing yoga and you may have a risk for glaucoma or you've been diagnosed, try to avoid those inversions and perhaps do other types of postures. You know, that's an interesting point because, Drew, when I was teaching yoga down at Servananda and I was giving lectures down there, one of the lectures I gave was on uh, what yoga does to cardiac arrhythmias, atrial fibrillation, hypertension, et cetera. And Dr. Ronnie is absolutely right because some of those postures would increase blood pressure. Yeah. And, and um, you know, certain if you have high blood pressure, there's certain postures uh, you, you need to avoid, like Warrior Two, for example. And um, it's kind of interesting because... One of the things about yoga is when you're ever doing a twist and if you have hypertension and you're doing a twist or, you know, where, where you're a little bit uncomfortable and you're holding your breath or doing a Valsalva at the same time, the blood pressure goes way up. And in, so when anybody doing yoga, Drew, who's who is hypertensive, they must breathe out. They have to breathe out on any twist or any 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 posture where there's a little bit of tension because if they hold breath and they and they have a history of hypertension you know that's when you know cardiac events or cvas or you know certain situations can occur and they have happened during uh, practicing yoga as well so um I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up it, it was like deja vu for me when i was teaching that town in in nassau <laughs> yeah no i didn't know about that about the twisting and the blood pressure oh, so definitely take that into account you got to breathe into the twist yeah. Because if you don't, and you, uh, that the blood pressure can go up. If you're hypertensive, if you're normal tensive, it won't make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Well, anyone that practices yoga knows that yoga is all about breathing. I mean, that's essentially you, you are doing stretching exercises, of course. But if you're not breathing during yoga, it it's hard. It, the practice is difficult. So, mm -hmm. um, well, I want to move on to your new ebook. If we can talk about that a little bit, and the title of that is "More Than Meets the Eye: Seven Surprising Strategies to Prevent Vision Loss from Macular Degeneration." So tell us about that. Yeah, so that uh, the the book is really accumulation of my the past two or three years of my of my life. <laughs> uh, what ended up happening was, you know, I've been taking care of patients with macular degeneration for years, for over twenty years. And what I would we, we as an ophthalmologist, you know, what we're trained is tell the patients eat leafy greens, mm -hmm. don't smoke maintain a, a healthy body weight, exercise regularly, and see your eye doctor once a year. Those are the five things people with macular degeneration are told. But what I realized was that even though I'm bit, I've been counseling my patients about this for years, some of them still progress and some of them still lose vision and some of them even go blind. So there must be some pieces of the puzzle that we're missing. And so I started to do some research, you know, using my background in functional medicine and integrative health, nutrition, supplements. Mm -hmm. What else can people do to try to prevent vision loss from macular degeneration? And then and then the other kind of more, uh, I would say, selfish reason for me writing this book is I happen to do um, genetic testing, home testing with 23andMe just for fun. I happen to do it. And I was pretty much negative for everything on their list, except I have the gene for macular degeneration or one of the genes for macular degeneration. So I said, wait a minute, I, I need to do something. I can't just sit back and, you know, be at risk for this and, and, and not be 
uh, proactive about this. So, mm-hmm. so I started to do research and what I found was that, as I was mentioning earlier, we need not just the macular carotenoids for our eye health. We don't just need antioxidants. There are over 20 nutrients that our eyes need to prevent that oxidative stress, mitochondrial dysfunction, and inflammation, which is actually the driver of macular degeneration. So I put together a protocol, a, a nutritional protocol, to try to support eye health, support retinal health. And then in addition to that, um, in my book, I talk about other things that people may not really think about when it comes to macular degeneration, for example, gut health. Now, many people don't realize that there is a gut-eye connection. You know, people have heard perhaps of leaky gut syndrome, uh, inflammation in the gut, uh, the gut microbiome, but there's really interesting emerging research being done on gut health and it's linked to macular degeneration. So there's some early work showing that certain types of gut dysbiosis can increase the risk of vision loss from a type of macular degeneration that's called wet macular degeneration. I like to call it leaky eye syndrome. So similar to leaky gut, leaky eye syndrome. Um, So anyway, my book addresses what I think are the seven key strategies to prevent macular degeneration. So nutrition, lifestyle, gut health, foods to avoid, supplements, stressors, and, uh, and there's a couple of other things in there as well. What were your foods to avoid? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, so I'm sure you've, you've both heard of the SAD diet, the standard American diet. Yep. Uh, so there was a really interesting study done out of um, Massachusetts Ioneer, University of Illinois, and then uh, Manhattan Ioneer Infirmary a couple of years back that looked at people who had diets high in the SAD diet, meaning uh, processed foods, uh, refined carbohydrates, unhealthy omega-6 fats or high levels of unhealthy omega-6 fats. And they found that those people had a higher risk of vision loss um, from macular degeneration. So those are the main foods to avoid, um, uh, really just for prevention strategies. And unfortunately, many of those foods, people, you know, our, our society, our culture is really uh, kind of geared towards that. So really, it's, it's kind of difficult to kind of steer people away from those types of foods. Well, speaking of that, that gut eye connection, I'm really curious about this because I, I do a lot of you know gut health, of course. Um, in med school, we learned all about uh, Crohn's disease being associated with uh, iritis or, or uveitis, right? So, I mean, when you have someone come in with an eye disorder, I mean, are you are you also in most cases treating the gut as well? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up that connection between inflammatory bowel disease and mm-hmm. eye inflammation because uveitis, which is kind of the, the larger term for eye inflammation, mm-hmm. is very commonly associated with autoimmune conditions. So not just Crohn's, but other things like lupus and and um, and many other uh, inflammatory conditions. So my approach is basically in, in the acute phase, patients may require steroids really just to keep the eye quiet. So absolutely, I do use traditional methods like topical steroids, sometimes even oral steroids. But I also put my patients on a dietary protocol to try to remove pro-inflammatory foods and try to replace them with anti-inflammatory foods. Um, and so, and then I also sometimes use, I definitely use probiotics, prebiotics to promote gut health. And it's, you know, when, when patients are on this approach, they, what they need to realize is that it's not gonna, the change is not gonna happen overnight. It usually takes a few months really for everything to calm down, to settle down, for their eye inflammation to improve, but also their gut issues to improve. And I've really had really, uh, really remarkable, um, uh, you know, successes in my patients who've been able to be compliant with not just the, you know, the eye protocols with their, their steroids, but also their, their dietary protocols. 
Well, that's great. I, I mean, I, I'm absolutely supportive of the functional medicine approach there. So that's great. Uh, speaking of foods again, my dad mentioned some foods that should be avoided. What is your take on gluten and its connection to the eye? I'm curious. So if someone has uh, a predisposition to autoimmune disease, uh, whether that be like we talked about inflammatory gut bowel disease, I also deal with a lot of patients with multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. uh, autoimmune thyroid disease when the eye gets involved, like for example, Graves disease or Hashimoto's, um, also myasthenia gravis. So for all of those types of patients with a predisposition to autoimmune disease, I tell them, cut out gluten, not just gluten, but gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. And it really, patients realize, you know, once they've removed it, that their inflammation settles down, but also if they happen to have a little bit of it by accident or by mistake, they immediately flare up and they know that their body is reacting to that particular um, compound in the, in the food. So, um, so they themselves know that it's, it's a no, no, it's best to avoid that. Yeah, that's good to hear from, from coming from you because I think gluten, it's gotten not a bad rap per se, but a lot of people will say, oh, no, it's just that's just a fad. It's it's just a gluten free thing. It doesn't really mean much. But no, I'm telling you, and I think you've seen as well. I mean, it makes a huge difference in those that have an autoimmune disease, uh, giving it up for Absolutely. that matter. So, yeah. Um, and you know, even, you know, yeah. even though patients may have the autoimmune disease, other things start to clear up as well. For example, if they've had skin issues, they start to clear up. I mean, it's just for, I think, overall health. If one is prone to autoimmune disease, it's best to avoid exactly. gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, do you want to mention your other ebooks that you've written as well? Because it seems like you've got three or you've got you've written two and you've got this new one coming out of macular degeneration. Yeah, so I have one book, um, Six Secrets to Eye Health. So in that book, I talk about the importance of management of blood pressure, of getting oxygen to the eye, um, foods uh, to include. I talk about blue light. So some of the things we've talked about today mm -hmm. um, and then the importance of seeing your eye doctor. And then I have another book, uh, Six Natural Ways to Conquer Your Headaches. And in that book, I talk about, you know, some uh, dietary triggers of migraines and what types of foods to avoid. We, I talk about some of the supplements that we mentioned earlier. Uh, magnesium, riboflavin, et cetera, and uh, other lifestyle strategies. For example, having uh, regularity in sleep, in meals, in hydration, all of that is really important as well to try to avoid migraines or diminish the, the frequency and severity of migraines. That's great. That's great. Well, um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we move on to our wellness wisdom segment? Anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Um, so, so my book, uh, is, it's called more than meets the, more than meets the eye seven, uh, surprising strategies to prevent macular degeneration. It will be, um, coming out a little bit later this year. The, the launch has been a little delayed, but I also will be having an online course as a companion to the book. And in my online course, it'll be four modules where I go into a deep dive in terms of all of these strategies, uh, specific, you know, nutritional um, recommendations. I also have a recipe guide, weekly meal planner, grocery lists. And um, I also talk about light. And we didn't really talk that much about this, but um, how, how best to avoid UV light? You know, mm. a lot of people ask, what type of sunglasses should I get? What type of filter should I get? How to limit blue light exposure to help with not just digital eye strain, but sleep as well. And also the beneficial use of red light, red, red light and infrared light. So there's some early work being done using longer wavelengths of light for eye health as a potential beneficial therapeutic strategy. So I talk about all of that in both the book as well as the course. Well, I'm really curious about this red and near infrared light uh, piece you just mentioned, because uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of using red and near infrared lights, the photomyelodulation for mm -hmm. 
mitochondrial support, you know, treating inflammation, treating pain. Um, when you recommend it, are you suggesting that people look at the red light or have their eyes closed? I'm curious. Always with their eyes closed yeah. because the light will penetrate through the eyelids. Um, and specific wavelength is what I recommend. So 670 nanometers. I'm not sure what you, what you prefer in your practice, but for eye health, that's the wavelength that, um, is being studied. Um, there, again, there is not that much published yet on it, but there definitely is a really, a, a um, some early evidence that suggests that it could be really be beneficial for oxidative conditions, like again, glaucoma and macular degeneration. Well, as we wrap up our show today, as always, we're going to share some wellness wisdom with our listeners. So Dr. Bannock, with all of us, adults and kids alike, uh, we're so much on our screens these days. We mentioned the blue light previously. Um, you know, what is one simple thing that we can do to limit the impact of blue light is having on our vision? So um, get those three macular carotenoids somehow, whether it's through nutrition or through a supplement or both because we only have two eyes and they have to last us our lifetimes, especially for young children. Uh, their eyes may not be able to filter blue light out as much. You wanna limit that oxidative stress. You wanna improve their macular pigment um, and prevent some of these eye diseases down the road. So start early. For example, um, in our household, uh, we all take uh, an eye health supplement with the, with the Lunamax 2020. My daughter does as well. Uh, you know, just, just make it part of your routine. Uh, vision is so precious. You don't want to take any chances with your vision for a lifetime. And, and you probably eat a lot of yellow fruits with zeaxanthin in it, I'm sure, like mango or papaya or, so, or some of those fruits. I mean, don't they contain a lot of zeaxanthin? They do. So uh, so yellow fruits and vegetables and green fruits and vegetables. So, for example, yeah, lutein, zeaxanthin. So corn is actually a great source of zeaxanthin and lutein. Mm -hmm. Also egg yolks. So not just plants, right. but egg yolks are a wonderful source. Yep. So it gets, that's what gives it gives them their beautiful orangish yellow color, golden color. Um, those are some great sources. And yellow peppers, orange peppers, those are wonderful sources as well. Good. One last question regarding screens. Is it true that the closer you you stand or sit to the screen, it's it's doing damage to the eye? You know, like when our kids, they all of a sudden are just so close to the screen, you tell them to get back, get back. I mean, is there is there truth to that? So uh, not in the sense that it may increase your risk for certain eye diseases that we talked about, but definitely the rates of myopia have skyrocketed around mm -hmm. the world. And, you know, especially with children, they're not, they should not be doing work this close up for such prolonged periods of time. So always try to get them to sit back. And the key is, this is really interesting. There are some recent studies out of Asia that showed that kids who spend more time outdoors, at least two hours a day outdoors, actually have less uh, rates of myopia and progression of myopia. So another wow. reason for our kids to get out there, be in the sun, play, and stay away from screens, at least for part of the day. Yeah, and Drew, the Australians also published just a few years ago that in uh, 14, no, actually nine to 14 year olds, um, you know, the, the, the concept of digital dementia, you know, when a lot of these mm -hmm. kids are working on computers or cellular phones or sending messages, it's a, it's a digital type of a, of a dementia problem, which, uh, again, you know, we have to be really concerned about. Overuse right. of these gadgets, you know, yeah, yeah can be problematic. I mean, no, we need to be they careful. really help our lives, but we everything in moderation. So uh, it may be crazy to think, but a couple of years ago, they did there was a survey done uh, just to ask people about how much screen time they have, and the average adult in the U.S. was spending almost eleven hours a day in front of a screen. 
That is mind-boggling. And that was pre-pandemic. So now you can imagine with all of us being on Zoom and, you know, e-learning and everything, what the note those numbers must be. And for children, it was six and a half hours a day on a screen pre-pandemic. Uh, just crazy. Too much. Yeah. Too much. Too much. Yes. Well, Dr. Bandick, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was, this was such a great, great discussion. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And I learned so much from both of you. Thank you so much. Well, we, we learned too. You know, it's so great to meet a, a, I mean, you are a so highly trained physician and you're in the best of both worlds. I mean, yeah. you're into, a, you know, complementary medicine and traditional medicine. And, and it's just a pleasure to interview somebody like yourself because uh, I've been around a quite a while, you know, and it's just great to interview somebody that is so well-versed like you are. So Drew, this is a great show. And I hope, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, listen to it. And I hope people go out and purchase your books. I mean, I'm really interested in your books and I want to read those books because- I'm going to uh, read them too. <laughs> it's vital. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you. And you're very contemporary, which I like. You're in the zeitgeist of the times, which is really important, especially in this day and age. So this was a pleasure, Drew. That's our show for today, folks. If you have a question or an idea for a show topic, please send us an email or share a post with us on Facebook. And remember, if you like what you heard today and you want to be an active member of the Be Healthistic community, subscribe to our podcast at BeHealthisticPodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your favorites. You can also find more great content and information from us and the Healthy Directions team at HealthyDirections.com. I'm Dr. Drew Sinatra. And I'm Dr. Steve Sinatra. And this is Be Healthistic. Thanks for listening to Be Healthistic, powered by our friends at Healthy Directions with Drs. Drew and Steve Sinatra. See you next time.